Hey, what's up, friends? This is Samir Azizi, and welcome to Azizi Podcast. My guest today is Sean Battaglia. He's been at my studio just recently, a couple days ago, actually last weekend. It's a long episode, so brace yourselves. We discussed all kinds of topics, started with boxing, we discussed business, gun control, uh, all kinds of stuff. So I hope you will enjoy this episode and uh, check out my YouTube. I'm going to split some clips, going to post it there as well, and uh, should be good. All right, everyone, take care. Right, and we're rolling like uh, like Joe Rogan, and we're rolling. What's or Bert up? Watson. What's up, Sean? What's up, man? Back on the terrace, back, back on the Azizi podcast. Back here, one and only Azizi podcast. Man, a little bit of a technical difficulty last time, but uh, we still got uh, 20, 20 minutes out of it. Yeah, no, it was good. I had a bunch of people watching it and be oh, like, yeah. oh, I wanted to hear what you had to say about Tyson. So <laughs> people were disappointed. So we got some unfinished business. All right, man. Let's talk about Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., man. What do you think? Well, I was telling you last time, I think it's so funny that it's at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park because at least one of them's probably going to lose both of them in the fight. But I mean, it's an entertaining fight. It'll get some eyeballs. No dignity. Um, there's no other sports really at that <laughs> this time. So, I mean, anything we can get, I think we'll take it. Um, who do, you, sure, who, do you think, sure. who do you think wins that one? So here's what I think about Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones is that, first of all, Roy Jones, man, by the way, he looks like shit. I'm sorry, but on the poster that they did with Mike, I don't know if you've seen it, like Mike looked like, like a beast, you know, but yeah, Roy, but like, like, like he looks like he's, um, he's, he hasn't been sleeping for quite some time. However, he's been in the ring far too often in the past several years than Mike Tyson because Mike Tyson was in the ring exactly zero times. Roy Jones was fighting in Russia and even though he was not successful, he was still uh, he was still there. He was still active, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's still going through those training camps. His, mind, his body hopefully remembers, you know, what that's like. Um, I mean, Tyson looks jacked, but I think people see guys that big and they think it's a great idea for a fight. But when you're that jacked, I think it's bad because you have all that extra oxygen you have to get into your muscles and if if the first two rounds or first three rounds Mike Tyson can be Mike Tyson or whatever the shadow of Mike Tyson that he used to be, that's his fight. Roy Jones is out. That's the only thing that we can count on. Right. Otherwise, if it goes the distance, I feel like Roy Jones, based on the stamina that he has, will probably get the points, win on points. In reality, I think we're just going to see a bunch of hugging. That's that's what we're going to see. Well, they're saying it's an exhibition fight. So, I mean, who knows what that even means? I know if it's sanctioned by an athletic commission, I think maybe that might be a little illegal because you can't go around pre-agreeing to fix fights almost. But mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, I think if everyone's saying Tyson looks good, but they're see, saying he looks good in 30-second Instagram videos. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not how long a boxing match is. If it gets past two, I definitely got to say Jones has the upper hand there. You think he's sparring right now? Like in, in, during his trainings? I would say I hope so, but for guys at that age, you almost hope they aren't because it's that little extra bit of damage that's going to set them back. Headgear or no headgear during the fights? What do you think when, when the fight happens? I think, I think they both got egos, so they'll do no headgear. They don't want to tarnish their look. Fuck it. I don't think headgear has that much of a difference, though. You think? Yeah, as a boxer, when I'm sparring, I prefer not to. I feel like I can move my head a little bit more. So even mm-hmm. though my head's not as protected without headgear, I feel like I get hit less because I'm able to move my head more. So that's just me personally. I'm... Mm-hmm interested to see what they'll do yeah i'm i'm just thinking like i don't know who would like right now if mike tyson goes to sparring who is who is he sparring with like who can be his potential like sparring partners imagine like he's probably like fighting some kid 
<laughs> some like Indy Ruiz back like back in the day, like some some one of those kids, like the chubby ones and whatever. So that it's I don't know. Imagine like the feeling of like okay, Mike Tyson wants to spar you, and you like sp- literally sparring with Mike Tyson while Mike Tyson prepares for his freaking real fight i mean it is a real fight afterwards even holding mitts for him looks terrifying i mean the only guys that are probably good for him in sparring are guys like holyfield and they're not going to get in there for free so imagine how it feels like like, spar with tyson i mean maybe just as a joke or whatever but imagine like you're you're you're, uh, sparring with tyson and mike tyson like it's okay man like we're just gonna like if if, we're just gonna play around man It it doesn't matter anything i'm not gonna hurt you at all and then like Pom pom pom, and real Mike Tyson. All of a sudden, like the ego awakens, the beast in him is awake. So then, suddenly, he's I'm the most most ruthless. Ah. Like, fucking just kills you, obliterates. I don't know. I feel like that's that's kind of like the Tyson. I hope no one's gonna get offended. I I really wanted to try the Tyson impersonation. Did it well? (laughs) Did it work? Yeah, that was pretty good. (laughs) But like, yeah, man. Like, it's. I feel like that's. And honestly, I would take that. I would take that beating. Like once in a lifetime, a bucket to, list item, right? To getting beat up by Mike Tyson. I don't know, man. It's something about him. The thing about Mike Tyson, though, I grew up like I'm 29, right? I'm 28, so I really like missed the whole Tyson era. Yeah. Like really, like 2003, whatever. Like it was. I still remember magazines about him in Russia and Kazakhstan and all of that. But he he was already on the on. I remember like the article I read when I was 13. Well, Mike Tyson like got his tattoo, and I was like, wow, Tyson got his tattoo like on the face. That's so crazy. But, like, I miss the whole, like, 80s era, like, late 80s, early 90s Tyson, you know, the prime Tyson and all of that, the Buster Douglas fiasco, like, so, but somehow still he's exciting. Like, even when you watch his past fights, like, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan of past, like, or, like history fighting or whatever, but, like, Mike Tyson, when Mike Tyson fights, it's just his movements, his muscle twitches, you know, his, like, explosions are just like, wow, like, you still don't see it anywhere. Like, no one explodes as Mike Tyson exploded. No, even guys like Joshua, you see them hitting mitts. And, I mean, they're yeah. probably not going 100% and maybe Tyson is to kind of hype the fight a little bit. But yeah, like, yeah. it's a whole other level. And, I mean, that's the thing with boxing is it's half, maybe skill, maybe less. And everything else in terms of selling a fight is just a compelling, narr- compelling narrative. <laughs> and that's what I think Tyson brings to the table. It's just the big question mark. Is he good? Is he not? That's what people pay to see. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the interview by, um, fuck, what's his name? Uh, he's... Um he was his trainer at once, and then something like the story about his daughter and the the draw the the, the gun and whatever. What's his name? The, the it tr- wasn't Castimato. No, 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 the other manager. one. Um, yeah, with, with his car. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, he's uh, he's Gwozdik's trainer. The Gwozdik retired recently. Uh, fuck, I forgot. I need to look this up right now. Hold on. Let's do it. Like last time, we forgot that Canelo fought uh, Jacobs. That was his last fight. Yeah, and we, we forgot a about couple us. fights after. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, this is <laughs> embarrassing. Saw the box track, and I was like, oh yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, but like that's true. Jacobs was fighting Canelo. That's his last fight, I think. And he fought, well, I think he fought uh, Chavez after that too. Oh, he did. Oh yeah, shit! See, we like missed we, two we, fights. We, we, we embarrass- need to get ourselves a Jamie like Joe Rogan. <laughs> now accepting applications. <laughs> Teddy Atlas, fuck man, Teddy Atlas. Oh, of course. So during the uh, interview with Joe Rogan, Teddy Atlas said that Mike Tyson had around three fights, three real fights in his life, and he lost all of the fights. And now I think maybe that's the emotions talking. Maybe there's some some personal shit between uh, Teddy Atlas and there is some personal stuff between that and Mike. But that's what he said. It's like, well, he really had like um, three real fights where right. it was like you know totally. He had a chance of losing. Yeah, and he lost all of them. Yeah, that's what he said, and I was like, "Well, he's probably like, like, okay, Teddy, like, I get it, but like, you're not. Yeah, you're like, you're the greatest in terms of training or whatever, but like, you cannot just say that. Like, the guy, it's the thing that people are talking shit about boxers, like, okay, but 
at the end of the day, the boxer is the one who's going into the sure, ring. And in yeah. boxing, uh, you never know. You can lose to the e- to the easiest fight ever because boxing is boxing. One, one, punch. one, one Hail Mary punch and you're done. But at the end of the day, in the back of my head, I was like, man, maybe it was all an illusion. I don't know. Like, I know some. I know how boxers are being developed, and I know that they're being fed. You know sure. the you know the, the other fighters that are not as the same caliber just to build them up. But I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I think about that. Sure, you know? maybe he got easier fights, but in order for a promoter to look at you and say this is a guy worth building up, he has to see something special in you. And I think yeah. you, you still see something special in Tyson, whether or not he got easier fights. He still had a raw natural ability that was true. Champion, and of he the did world. well in the Olympics, I believe. Right, so there's still some talent there. No, Tyson skipped the Olympics. Oh, you're right. I'm thinking of he, Lennox Lewis. Yeah, my yeah. I read, and I know that because I read uh, Dougie Fisher, actually, the chief, the editor of chief of the Ring magazine, yeah, yeah, yeah. signed a book for me. Like I said, Dougie, can you like because we friends? Like, can you? I was actually living American. I was like, can you give me some of the books that you read? And he actually gave me a bunch of cool books, and one of them was Tyson, Undisputed Truth. He signed it and all. That was just amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. You got to check out uh, Bloor Street Boxing. Um, their uh, their boxing room is like it's all just Ring magazine covers as their wallpaper from like the 30s and 40s. It's the coolest thing ever. So quick shout out there. But that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah I got to check it out. But yeah, in this book, he's basically excuse me, cheat meal day. I'm like gonna burp all the way through. He's basically so candid about his life, like, and he writes this book as would he would t- like tell you his story, like with the f bombs and all of that. It's gonna fall anyways but like that book is disgusting like the way he writes about stuff all the freaking detail if you want to like go through this and you want to like i don't know see how tyson went worked or like his memories and all of that what he did and what he's done and like people around him read this book but i'll tell you what it's not going to be an enjoyable read it's 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 a bizarre book undisputed truth by mike tyson right well whether you call his fights illusions or not i guess his attitude certainly not so there's he, something there. He became a champion in the world. That's the thing. Like he became a champion of the world. I think when he was 19. Pretty young, yeah. Uh, again, maybe I'm mistaken there. I'm not a boxing historian, but yeah, he was the youngest champion of the world till this day. So that says, says something, regardless of what what kind of a position he had. So right. I mean, when you win the belt at that age, you're probably not going to have the most normal adulthood. I mean, even look at John Jones in the UFC, won the belt at a very young age, mm-hmm. had a lot very young and. It's well, probably not the best thing for you. Yeah, I mean, Tyson grew up in a rough neighborhood. He had a rough childhood. He was uh, he was doing a lot of thieving, burglaring. Like he actually writes, like definitely, like check out his book. He he writes in details about all of that. And Cas Diamato, he says, Cas Diamato saved my life because he brought me to his uh, house. You know, he adopted me basically, and he, you know, he gave me the way, the path. That's that's what I think. You know, like boxing is. Boxing is like, when people say you don't play boxing, I always think it's such a corny thing to say. It's true, though. It's life. It's not a sport. It's not a game. Exactly, though. But, like, it's for the people. It's for people. Like, also, people say it's a poor man's sport. Yeah. Also true. Like, it's, it's for the fighters, you know. If you don't have... You know how expensive the freaking hockey gear is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... Every sport, you know, is... is like, I, rem- I know, like, my, my uncle, who is, like, actually younger than me, but he was a professional hockey player. Uh, back in Kazakhstan, and and man, like even in Kazakhstan, gear was like thousands of dollars. Like, oh, for it's sure, crazy. And boxing's the inverse. I mean, I think it was Sugar Ray who said it's a lot harder to get up uh, to run at five a.m. when you're sleeping in the in in silk, silk sheets. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah, man. So so definitely, it takes a special kind of person with a special kind of background to say like, all right, if nothing else, I can do any other sports. So I'm gonna go to boxing, and I'm literally gonna put my life on the freaking 
uh, at risk, you know, every time I go into the ring. They're going to do that stuff anyway. They might as well get paid, right? If you look that's at that true. Way. That's true. And that's why I say, like, when, when children of boxers decide to become boxers, like Tyson was saying that about his son, like, I, I, you know, like, yeah, you got it, but, like, you're not, you don't have in, in it. You don't have that predator instinct, you know, something. Look at Chavez. <laughs> I mean, that's an extreme, but What do you true. think about, what do you think about Ch- Chavez Jr.? Jr.? I don't know. I just don't think he takes the sport as seriously as someone at that level needs to. I mean, he was showing up to training training sessions with Freddie Roach high. I mean, you don't do that with <laughs> Freddie Roach, no matter who you are. And pretty, you, you know, you're not the one guy. in the ring, so you don't want to talk bad about him. But he seems yeah. to be pretty quick to sometimes take the easy way out if he thinks it's there. Yeah, especially with the last fight with Jacobs. But here's the thing: like he has the talent. He's definitely an elite boxer, but he's just like he's not all the way there in terms of being top tier. Right. Well, he's probably trained by uh, by his father, who's a phenomenal boxer. But then again, he doesn't have that top five ringing. He doesn't have that chip on his shoulder, the edge, and that's exactly. what you need. That's probably why. But also, he's on ticks lately. Have you seen him on Twitter or Instagram? Like the dyeing of his hair, like the weird dances, like white hair for a while or something like, like that. Like he's all like all of a sudden he's like very flamboyant and all that. And and I'll, I'll tell you what, like I'm like thinking, and and he's very like in terms of everything like he does is in Spanish, so I cannot completely like comprehend right, yeah. what was happening, but. There's something to it, though, like with the whole social media. If you stop to watch it, I guess it works. It's just like, okay, like there's something in it where it's like, okay, I feel like he's just like, okay, I'm not taking this seriously, which is, which sucks, but it's your right, man. At the end of the day, like it's business. He's going to make the same amount of money either way. I mean, he's almost stupid to try and give it his all, right? I mean, it's got to be efficient, I guess. Every, after Jacob's fight, everyone, it was like this huge shot of uh, his father being like face palming. Disappointed in him. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, uh, you know, Junior should retire. Like, he's nice. Like, boxing is not for him and all that. But like, he's still training. He's still sort of in shape. And yeah, maybe he does drugs or whatever. But uh, again, it's not an excuse. Or what's, but I'm, I'm not. He's definitely not retiring, and there's still some money in him, you know, like to be made. Right. I mean, I think he's always going to have a name. I, th- I thought that exact same thing after the Canelo fight. I'm like, this guy's done. There's no way he gets a big fight again. That was embarrassing. Oh, and soon God. enough, tee up Danny fight. Jacobs. So I mean, See? he's a name people are going to watch. Maybe not as the main event, but as on, maybe on the undercard, people will tune in. So he'll have options if he wants them. I mean, there's still fun fights he can do. I guess so. Triple G really wanted to fight him. Like Tom Lawler and Triple G, that would not be uh, safe for uh, Chavez's health. Back, well, exactly, and that was back in the day. Like that was back in 2015. I remember there was like talks about that, and Triple G was calling him out in the ring, and that would be a, such an epic fight. Uh, honestly, I'd still watch it. I was actually, I did, I made a tweet today. I was like, I tweeted like because um, they were talking about open air uh, fight right uh, right now, you know, with uh, Eddie Hearns. Uh, backyard fighting and all of that that he yeah. wants to make it all spectacular in terms of background you know he wants to make epic huge mansion right and i was thinking like fuck imagine a fight in the center of brooklyn or harlem love it all the freaking brick mortar buildings around bridges everywhere this is like some video game you know like a special location it's mortal combat <laughs> exactly like one of the mortal combats like uh locations right and uh and yeah and like you put a new york fighter there like danny jacobs and you put triple g who is de facto also kind of a new york fighter because now he's like his home base in new york in terms of like a medicine square garden fight and you do uh jacobs triple g2 at 168 i like the idea and in I don't brooklyn think, i like the idea i don't think it's something that's totally unprecedented uh someone coming from a wrestling background one of the biggest wrestling matches uh jordan burroughs and kyle dake they fought at uh, times square it was this 
event called Beat the Streets and a whole bunch of big wrestling matches happened in Times Square and everyone came to watch. Center nice. of the City, they all watched outside, open air. They set up a wrestling match. I mean, if that works for wrestling, boxing's bigger. Yeah. See, but I want to be like in the neighborhood. You know, I wanted to be like somewhere. Bullets whizzing by. <laughs> well, no, hopefully not that, but somewhere where like it's very like unprecedented yeah. territory where maybe like a common folk can actually watch from their yeah. windows or something like some, some something like that where it's just like, whoa, like where are they fighting? What is this place? Like, oh, we're just in Brooklyn, you know, like something like that. Well, didn't Hopkins fight in prison? At a Hopkins fight in prison or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think they had some big boxing fight in prison once. I I know Golden Boy did a Pasadena once at the City Hall recently. Uh, But I mean, it's not the same thing, but still. uh, But yeah, something like that. Something with like a little bit of an edge. Like, whoa, like this is a real, like, like, it gives you like a feeling of a street fight. You know, with the bricks and all that. And and it's just like, I don't know. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it now because you can't have spectators anyway. Well, that's the point. That's the point because that's the the only time when you can do it. Exactly. Man, your beer is really hitting me right now. I don't know why. What is this? Chai Porter? Mill Street, uh, just up the road, actually. Uh, Chai Porter. It's stout with a bit of chai. Damn. It's It's like a mix between a chai latte and a beer. It's not bad at all. It's delicious, man. I love it. Got you hooked. You should go up to the factory. It's a cool uh, cool tour. What's the factory? Mill Street factory. It's... um, Distillery District. It's over uh, a few subway stops away. Oh yeah, we're we're in Toronto, Canada. By the way, everyone, if you don't, in case you if you haven't seen it, the CN Tower right there. By the way, we are on YouTube, and if you're not on our YouTube channel right now, because I know I'm posting this podcast everywhere in audio, but like go into our YouTube and check out our amazing freaking backdrop right now, because we are all coronavirus friendly, safety first, outside, and behind us is downtown Toronto. Amazing view. Check out it. Check it out, everyone. Him and I'll, I'll check it out. I want to see like a lot of like that's when you mentioned about um, Newfoundland. I always I, actually in my mind I pronounce it Newfoundland all the time, but apparently that's the syllables I guess people say Newfoundland. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, they have their own dialect out there. You oh, can't yeah? understand them at the best of times. Man. Have you been? To, have you been everywhere in Canada? I've been everywhere east of Ontario. I've never gone anywhere west of Ontario, but everywhere east, it's been it's been done. Reminds me of Jenny Cash song. I've been I've been everywhere, man. Have you listened to yeah, Jenny yeah, Cash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, I was like so into Johnny Cash. God's gonna cut you down as a classic walkout song. God's gonna cut you down. Who had it last time? I don't know. It would be so cool to have a Johnny. I always kind of like when I train, I imagine myself being a boxer, and I was like, "What would be what my come up?" <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there walking down the street, yeah. going to going to work, and you're like, oh, right, like "Let's that, go." That would be like I've listened to this. And I, okay, that would be my come up. Like walking by, like, what's wrong with his eyes? He looks so intense. <laughs> And everyone would be like, oh my, like, if, like in my imagination, like if I would be coming out to that song and everyone would be like, oh my God, it's so badass. Like everyone would be like, what is this song? Uh, but like right now I'm, I'm seeing boxers coming out to like different songs. I'm like, what is this song? Especially in England, it's always some sort of like soapy, like yeah. mellow song. Like, I don't know. I'm always in that DMX kind of shit. <laughs> I love, yeah, the DMX is good. I mean, Anderson Silva was always walking to eat No Sunshine. Mm-hmm. That one United card, I think you were at, Kalunga walked out to that song oh, yeah. where he had his own rapper there. It's kind of like the Adrian Boner oh, kind of approach, but it was a cool idea. You got you got some stuff you can do there. Um, yeah, I remember like the main event. Um, Brandon Cook? Brandon Cook basically was he, lost. refused to go out. I think, yeah, he refused to go out at the beginning. Have you been to that fight? I was there. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, and I was so happy when he finally pulled it off, but, man, he well, had first, me worried. Well, let's, at the beginning, like, when he, like, the song started playing, and he refused to go out because it was not his song. Right. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, man, because I've been in, on the inside. I've been there how, like, the basically how it happens is they say, like, okay, you tell that guy to tell that guy to tell that guy that the song's supposed to be here for this fighter. 
So a lot of shit uh, like being lost it's in like translation, right? exactly. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, if something is getting messed up, they're like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna play whatever song," and it can really mess up the fighter. No, I've seen Cook probably fight five or six times, and every single fight, it can't be touched. So I knew something was up. There's no way he's walking out to ACDC soon enough. <laughs> it's a power move right there. You don't, exactly. you don't do that when you're low on the card. Exactly. So I was like, okay, okay, I see you, Brandon. I see you, Brandon. Yeah, the opponent's standing in the ring awkwardly. What's yeah, going yeah. on? And then, like, you know what? Like, I would be doing the same thing. I'd be like, fuck that. It's not my song. I'm not going on to that song. It's not difficult to put my song on. You have time to, like, let make the call. That's the name of the song. Find it. I don't think there's a licensing problem because, you know, it's not like being broadcasted or whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, that man. was the same day as the uh, the Wilds are in Fury fight, though. So I was like, oh, come on, let's go, let's that go, was let's a, go. I remember and that. <laughs> so basically, yeah, Brandon Cook's fight was uh, was something else. And again, like, I was new to Canada. I still, I just, it's been like two months since I arrived to Canada, to Toronto. And like, right away, I was like, okay, who's in boxing? I had my friends from the Great Fight North. I'm like, okay, you guys tell me who's in here in Toronto, who, who are the players. I'm like, yep. reached out to them. Did a podcast with Tyler and then uh, got into the fight, uh, meaning the, the fight night. And uh, yeah, so the Wilder was at the same time. But when I was seeing like Brendan Cook, you know, I saw his fight with Kanat uh, Islam before okay, yeah, and all of that. I was like, okay, Brendan was actually pretty good. Kanat was a little dirty, but it is what it is, whatever. Show his toughness. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a tough fight for Brendan, man. But it was just like a... I don't know, it was like a punch from God or something where he broke the guy's ribs. Well, you see a lot of his fights, and he hits hard, and I think he needed a fight like that. Like, his mm-hmm. first fight back after the Munguia fight mm-hmm. got him out of there real quick, and I think he was pretty upset. He didn't really, didn't really get an opportunity to test himself. So, I mean, I feel like that's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he got in there, he got his rounds, and sure enough, Corona hit, so it didn't yeah. end up materializing um, yeah, too, but too much. Yeah, but still, I mean, to, to break the guy's ribs at the very end of the last moment, just like... Yeah. Not like at the very end, but like you're you're pretty much you are not having it right now, right? So and takes like, one shot, like we we're saying, just takes one takes shot. Takes one shot. And I mean, good for Brandon, man, but still, I mean we were all kinda of like, Oh shit, like it's not happening. What's happening there? You yeah, know? I was worried. But There's right, a lot of good local fighters though. Yeah. I mean, um Brock Stump, man, I'm becoming such a fan, like he's such a freaking force. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's a local guy. No, no, he's pretty good. He's almost got that Tyson thing when he was, goes in for the kill, he moves and you can tell he's just coming in. It's so crazy, like because we had an after party where we watched the actual Wilder uh, Fury fight with yeah. the, with everyone, with the boxers, like the whole freaking thing. We went to the hotel and we watched it. Great experience, by the way. It was so cool to watch it with professional fighters. The whole like the whole new perspective. Whole new perspective because no one like fighters don't talk when they yeah. watch the other fighters fight. They may they're be, not yelling, just knock them out. They're, yeah, they're into it. They're into <laughs> it, notes. and they may be like, will tell you their opinion, like very non, like very like calmly. But they're like watching the fight, like they're into it. They're mentally in that fight, it's and it's a respect factor. It's respect and experience, and I feel like they're just in it mentally, yeah. like the thing that they're in there. Um, but yeah, broke stuff, man. When you like when these guys and those are, I think they were cruisers at, when we, when they were fighting. Exactly cru- correct. Yeah. yeah. And then when they're next to you, and I'm not a big guy, I'm only like five ten. Uh, freaking giants. I don't know. Even the cruiserweights, like, fuck, they're just beasts, it's man. It's all muscle. There's no fat. Yeah, it's just you can see, like, completely the fighters prepared for the fight, so everything. By the way, this sound in the background, I don't know what the fuck it is. It's like an electricity sound, yeah. but I don't know where it comes from. It's like, you can see it all the way there. I don't know how does this work or whatever. Anyways, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm going to delete the sound on the background, but we have this electricity sound, and I don't know where this come from. But anyways... Apex predators of the fighters. Those guys, I mean, freaking animals. Love it. 
Love it. No, absolutely. We've got some good ones in in, uh, in Toronto too. A few off the top of my head. Uh, we got Nick Fantauzzi, uh Trains out at mm-hmm. West End. A little bit at Rival. Bigger Italian guy. He's really into Celine Dion. So all those Instagram posts are either him training or him jamming out to Celine Dion. So I guess when you're doing that, you kind of got to be a got to be a tough fighter. But he's always in good fights. Um, I've seen him get knocked down. Gets right back and knocks the guy out. I've seen that a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. Always fights tough local guys. No imports from Mexico. He's a good guy. He's nice. A tough guy. Looking forward to how uh, to how he progresses. Yeah, I'm actually supposed to talk to a fighter, a local fighter as well. His name is uh, Helmand Alkozai. Okay. Um, he's at one. Uh, he fights at one thirty, one thirty-five. So uh, he's a pretty interesting guy as well. He's developing his record right now. An interesting case. He's a free agent, and he's kind of like he's not signing with any promoters. He's still kind of shopping around. Tries to go to America. So we're gonna talk about that. Yes, uh, tomorrow. Uh, so we'll see, but uh, I'm starting to like invite boxers as well. That's awesome, especially like with the whole veranda thing, which is, by the way, it was your idea. I feel like it gives me like a little bit more of a, a freedom to say like, "Hey, this is safe. We're gonna be outside and yeah. talking for like so." So yeah, we'll see. Like, they need uh, a bigger platform at the best of times, so it's needed. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, definitely like promoting local talent because yeah. another one is. Guys. I talked to you last time on the podcast, didn't get into the recording, but the uh, Tanya of Sinek, like, I want to talk to her, I need to reach out to her. Uh, but yeah, she's also a local fighter, I think she's a 3 and 0 and uh, yeah, why well, like, should like invite her here as well, we can talk. Just like local talents, because again, no one is covering local talent in Ontario, maybe in Quebec they're being covered by local press, but in Ontario, it's like everyone is freaking protesting or something, I don't know why. It's interesting, let me ask you this, what do you think would benefit boxing more in Ontario, if they shorten the fights, or if there's a consolidation in the sense that the best fight the best? What do you mean shorten the fight? Like shorten the fights, like shorter fights. What do you think boxing would benefit more from in Ontario? Shorter fights or a consolidation where the best fight what, the best but what do you mean by on the sh- same network? What do you mean by shorter fights? Same, same, uh, same, same round length, but less rounds. More like amateur style. I don't know. Like, I don't think they should shorten the fights. I don't think, like, once you're in, you're in, you're watching, you're watching. Like, it's... But let me ask you this, okay? How do you build a star? Mm-hmm. A star either does something inc- incredibly dramatic, like you look at uh, Jorge Masvidal when he's a flying knee kick against Ben Askren, <laughs> or you slowly build and you slowly garner more and more people. But the boxing matches are so long. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to watch a 12, 12 round boxing match, that's like an hour. So you're not going to sit down and watch the four or five fights before that because they're all eight rounds too. Like, mm-hmm. So, okay, in terms of, and I like your uh, second question about the uh, developing the fighter, which, by the way, I thought a lot about that. And uh, But in terms of like the shortening the fight, I feel may- maybe the undercards... Uh, it, it, it's the matter of like interacting with the customer because you say like okay the fights are starting at 9 p.m right? right and then you put in the freaking six undercards and you have to watch through all this bullshit right six seven first. eight rounds exactly and then you're like yeah, but you want to see the main fight right so you have to like stay up until 12 to watch it like that's what i hate especially on the east coast on the west coast it's like it's early like i don't care it's yeah. 10 p.m just staying up till like 1 a.m yeah and i was like that's a new thing for me so that's what I don't like. So maybe you can actually tell them, okay, undercar starts in this main event, starts around this. Like, I feel like the communication to the actual casual fan is important. Right. Um, so that's one thing that I don't like. I don't think undercards are important because they're undercards, they're developing fighters, they're developing the brands and all that. Your second question is actually very important. How do you develop a fighter? Do you do Jorge Masvidal or do you do like a 20-mile march, how I call it? Like it's right. a kind of slow pe- burn slow burn peter drucker whatever business thing where you like you kind of like mar- marathoning like through the whole thing if you can do jorge masvidal if you can do like deanta valder-esque you know knock knockouts or you know triple g stuff that's awesome never hurts to knock people out 
But if you are a promoter and you're a manager of a fighter, if you're developing your fighter, like a good example right now, uh, I'm great friends with Tom Loeffler and I'm great friends with Serhii Bohachuk, which is his fighter. Yeah. And so we talked about it. And I said, hey, Serhii, like, what do you think about the way you're being developed? You know, because there is an op- like there is a contrast with um, Israel Madrimov, same weight category, 154. Uh, he's being like freaking pushed out of proportions. He does a couple saltos or whatever in the ring, and everyone's talking about him like he's the best. But he's really like had a couple fights, like less than 10 fights or whatever. I talked to Ryan Scalia and other people as well. Uh, I'm like, hey, what's with the Israel Madrimov? Is this really like what's what's up with him? And they're like, well, he's a great fighter. I mean, he's not, but he's not like Mike Tyson. You know what I mean? Like, it's he's a great fighter, but not not greater than Serhi Balachuk. Like, they're they're pretty much on the same level. So I talked to Serhi and I said, like, hey, what do you think about how you're being developed? And he said, you know what? Like, I actually love how I'm being developed. Slowly and steady, little by little. He has 17 uh, KOs right now out of 17 fights. He's not being too, he's not being rushed into anything, just being developed, and he understands he's a realist. Like yeah, like I'm I'm like what about Charlos, man? Like what do you like? He's like yeah, I'm like if you know I'll, I'd love to fight them, but like I also understand where I'm positioned right now. Maybe I'm not ready. Maybe I'm ready. Like but uh, I know where my place is. I know where I am right now. And by the time I'm ready, like to actually be in that level, I don't even know if Charlos is gonna be around. But he's like I love that about me about my career because nothing is really being rushed so i actually to answer your question i am supporting the developing of the fighter slowly tom lawler style triple g style how he's been developed it's know? harder to get eyeballs though when you have two two the co-main and the main event when they're let's say both 12 rounds that you're not going to get people watching the slow build kind right. of slower on the card though so it's difficult i mean you look at Mayweather Berto, like, do we really need to see 12 rounds of that? Or could we have seen eight and maybe you would have gotten a little more eyeballs on guys lower on the Well, that depend- depends on the fight, though, right? Because the first five rounds is like, okay, can you knock him out or not? And after, if it goes to the second kind of uh, part of the fight, it's just like, okay, who has better stamina? Right, yeah. You know, 12 rounds, like before that, they had, I don't know the history about it, but before that, they had even more rounds, 15 rounds, 20 That's rounds. It's <laughs> too much. Yeah, so I think 12 is fine. That's why... 10 rounds is the standard, and then 12 is the title, two, two rounds uh, at, the, at the end of the title rounds. Um, yeah, man, what do you think? Like, do you, I think do you it's disagree? Uh, I, to a degree, yeah, because, I mean, you look at the UFC, mm-hmm. and not, I mean, I know it's a completely different sport, but you're still competing for a similar demographic, and they mm-hmm. can still get their point across in three to five rounds. Like, you know, you look at right. amateur, amateur boxing, I feel like that's almost more exciting to watch sometimes because it's three mm-hmm. rounds. People get in, they got their action, they get out. And the fights are different in amateur. Like, that's what they also realize is three rounds, so the, the volume of punches is more. <laughs> right. I'm not saying, you know, pro fights, title fight, make three rounds, because that's too short. But mm-hmm. I'm a boxing fan, and there's some fights where I'm like, did I really need to see 12 rounds Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, yeah. And I guess it's it, it's, a, it's a slippery slope, because you don't want to say, well, this guy in this weight class, when he fights for the title, no, I belt, agree. it's 12, but this guy is going to be eight. Yeah. I mean, it's a slippery slope. But in terms of captivating the masses, I think it'd be a lot easier um, yeah. if the fights were shorter the guys are going to be more aggressive you're going to get more of those highlight real knockouts and that's what builds stars mm-hmm. I feel like at times so I mean it's a slippery slope but mm-hmm. it's a, that's the nature of sport UFC MMA versus boxing is that well first of all 
the rotation in UFC is much uh, higher volume. You lost the fight, fuck it, no one cares. You're gonna fight one more time. You lost another fight, whatever. Like McGregor lost how many fights? Like at this point, three or four? I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, he's five. Yeah, and he's still a superstar in boxing. There's this curse of a zero, like losing a zero. Okay, if you're not undefeated anymore, then like something happens. Like this, this huge freaking. Uh, dependency on being undefeated. That's because of the slow build, though, right? Because they take guys and they slowly build them. And if you lose one of yeah. those fights, it's like, wow, like, yeah, you yeah. couldn't beat this guy. And But then you could look at guys like Rosado who, who lose a ton of fights and still appreciate them for what they are and almost like seeing those guys more. I know. I mean, me too. And and honestly, like, I, I don't like the whole undefeated thing. No. But when it's still, this still adds up to it. If you have 30 fights and you never lost one and you against another undefeated, like there's still something like, oh shit, someone's going to lose their zero today. You know, like it's, something is about that in terms of promotion. It's Absolutely. just, it's simply a promotion. But at the same time, look at money and boxing. Yeah. Super fight in UFC versus super fight in boxing. I would say there is around 500 to 1,000% different For in, sure. in terms of purses. Sure. You know, 100 million fights, 45 to one fighter, uh, 55 to another fighter. Versus UFC, 100 million fight, you know, a mil to one fighter at 500,000 to another. I mean, UFC, you never know how much they're really making, right? Because it's not disclosed. But I think it's a completely different business structure. Like the UFC, they've got accountants to pay. They've got advertisers to pay. Mm-hmm. They've got HR to pay. Oh, yeah, it's an organization. But, you know, you look at promoters. It's... But that's why UFC fighters always want to fight boxing. Yeah. Because they know, like, okay, McGregor never made as much money as he made in, like, in he made in boxing as he, like he never right. made as much in UFC for one fight. And it's an annoying nar- narrative too. I I think in I'm two, against two, it. Two, I two, hate two, it because like okay, great. So sure, we'll we'll take Mayweather saying he made you know forty million for Canelo plus you know three hundred million from blah 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 right. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the guys low on the card, and you got some guys on massive cards. Their first fight of the night, they're making making six thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. and then you look at the UFC. The first fight of the night, they're making fifteen to twenty to show, fifteen to twenty to win. So guys are like oh, all the money's in boxing. It's like that's true you look at the guys saying it and they're like yeah maybe for guys at like the very mcgregor but not for you this low guy who's fighting well in the car like do you not do your due diligence yeah yeah you know what i mean and, and that's why i said like at the very top yeah and uh and that's the thing we're gonna take a break in, in a moment yeah uh but uh that's the thing like i feel like once you're in the middle somewhere like up and coming ufc fighters getting more money than uh boxers i'm, I'm speculating here boxers are not getting uh much money until they're like in the top you know, twenty, I would say. Then they're getting some some sort of a some sort of like a relatively reasonable yep. purses. Yep. But let's talk about more about that. We're gonna take a little pause here, and we'll be back with you guys in a moment. All right, we're live. We're back, everybody. What I was talking about, I already forgot what I was talking about. Uh, boxing versus MMA pay rates. Yeah. Um, in any case, boxers should be paid more because. Here's what I didn't like. When Mayweather flexes about how much money he made in like 30 seconds or whatever. It's all an illusion. I don't think he got paid that much. But anyway. I believe he got paid whatever. Like let's say he has like whatever millions and millions of dollars. But when he says like, yeah, like I just got paid within like 10 minutes of fighting or working. You know, I got paid 70 million bucks. But that's not true though. You were training how much (laughs) for it? Like all of your life you haven't had a drink or whatever. Like he has amazing ethics and all that. I respect that. But I'm just wow. saying, like... <laughs> work ethics, yes, not ethics. Like, work ethics, like <laughs> sportsman records, uh, uh, ethics, of course. But um, that's the thing about boxing, man. You're, like, in the training camp, you're in a fight camp, you're in the discipline camp and all of that. That's your work. You're basically working and you're not getting paid until the very end and only, like, if you're successful. That's the kind of thing. Well, it's like when a plumber shows up to your house and they tighten a few pipes and you're they, they charge you all this money. You're like, why? All you did was this. And it's like, you're not paying me for... 
you know, tapping the tube, you're paying for me knowing where to hit the exactly. tube and how much does it take to get to that point. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, when you're hearing boxers say that, I mean, I mean, that's actually, I don't know, I, I, I never want to discredit boxers because they're the most hard worker, like, people in terms of being athletes. I feel like boxing is the most demanding sport in terms of being athlete, athletics. Like, that's, it takes toll on you, like, non, none other sports in terms no of being athletics. Uh, but still, when they say that, no, they actually work for it for a long time, for at least like five months in the camp or whatever preparation, three months and all that. Every day, not paying, not being paid a single dime while paying off their trainers or whatever, like the two nutritionists and all that. And then only at the end, they get their payday. Then they cut off some stuff for their... Uh, and I'm mean, not sure, maybe you as an accountant, to accountant can tell me, but like there's a fee for a trainer, let's right. say 10%, there's a fee for a promoter, 25%, there's a fee for a manager, 20%. Sparring partners, coaches, Sparring partner coaches. Then you have taxes. I'm thinking what goes first, taxes or payouts? Because then you can kind of write it off as expenses if it's before taxes. Well, if you structure it properly, you'd qualify that as business income and then you'd pay exactly. your expenses I mean, it's all ten. pay your taxes. But yeah. if you are if you don't have it running through a business, which I don't, pretty senseless, you'd, you'd pay your tax and you'd have to pay them after. But yeah. Which is why they all have their promotion companies. Exactly. You know, whatever, um, you know, Rosado Promotions or... Uh, any kind of promotions right yeah. you think like oh you want to be promoters like yeah kind of but it's also like a corporation so they can they can kind of like you pay checks to promotions the promotion companies actually pays out uh those fees to like different people yeah, yeah. Uh, drivers for example yeah and all of that it's uh like I mean, it's, it's it's not just before the fight too. Like you look at them and say, okay, yeah, this is this is how much you're getting, but your window's closing by the time you're what forty, unless you're Hopkins, mm-hmm. it's an anomaly. <laughs> but uh, well, anomaly. But your... he also works a lot. Like he still oh, yeah. like He's keeps hustling. himself. Like it's all about nutrition, right. man. No, it is. But that's your pension. Speaking about nutrition, kind of want to do a little brag here. I um, I took a selfie today, and uh, I looked at myself. I was like, damn, I look young. <laughs> And, but I wasn't looking like this six months ago. I was like, uh, I was 30 pounds heavier and all of that. I mean, I was still looking kind of youngish because that's, I just have this like a baby face. But, uh, this time I looked like I was, I was 16, like, especially on Saturdays where I'm like doing my waiting and all that. And I was like, damn, what changed? Because it wasn't just me being skinny, but it also like my skin was so reflect like, fresh and like vibrant. And oh, yeah. I think like, and what I basically was doing is I cut out all the carbs and I basically was eating eating chicken every day. But I think the most important part, I'm just speculating here, but I think it's like I decreased the consumption of red meat yeah. by like 95% right. within the past six months. And I think that's like the most thing. That's, yeah, that what do makes you think sense. about that? Yeah, I know probably that I think the biggest thing just from my own research and ex- personal uh, empirical experiences, but um, water, I think water is a big one. If you drink yeah, a ton of water, your, yeah, yeah. your skin's going to look better. Uh, you feel better. I think that's probably the biggest thing in my opinion. Um, yeah. Crazy thing, man. I looked at myself. I was like, damn, my skin wasn't as good when I was 16. You know, like it's, I think like right now I have the best skin uh, ever. Which well, is, I mean, you get older. I mean, when you're young, you're going through puberty and all that. You got the oil. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't that, count pimples. Like I had my yeah, pimples yeah, yeah. period like, like, uh, like for like five years. I We've still like, gone through that phase. Yeah, but I'm talking before pimples. Like right before I got, I hit all that weird stuff. But um Anyways, it's not like to kind of like say like, hey, look at me, like I, I look beautiful. But I'm just saying like, you can sort of see the nutrition really works. Oh, absolutely. Like that's why you have Chris Algieri. That's why you have all the like the low card guys uh, working for boxers. You know that it really kind of rejuvenates you, not just like uh, outlook wise, but also physically. Like Health as well. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, 
anyways just wanted to kind of like do a short plug in here since we're drinking this beer and stay healthy (laughs) stay healthy this is just a cheat day but yeah man this matters a lot and uh i was really surprised like just to like notice all those changes do you actually have some sort of a diet at all yeah i try and stay away from red meat um i don't really eat too much of that is it's bad for the environment too and it's not the healthiest thing in the world Mm -hmm. uh breakfast i'm always a big fan of you know stuff like steel cut oats so what do you have for breakfast? Tell me what you had usually, like during this week. Half the time I fast, so I literally just have. Because you half. look good, like yeah, you're you're right. like in the in the shape and all of that. You're you know you all put together. Yeah, no, I think for me half the time it's black coffee and an apple, and the other half of the time it's really not much of anything, just a little bit of cereal stuff like that. Um, so you don't drink, you don't uh, eat heavy on during during mornings. No, I try not to. I feel like you're a little more productive if you're not so bloated. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you're not mm-hmm. weighed down and already tired at like nine a.m. Mm-hmm. what do you think about coffee though like i'm I'm still kind of on the on like i love coffee i drink it a lot and sometimes maybe way too much but i feel like uh kovalov said once that coffee decreases testosterone i've heard that too uh world leaders don't drink coffee they drink tea yeah um which i don't know i, I understand why sometimes i drink coffee and I, like my mentality completely switches to like something like over like oh Dialed let's do this focus, and that like yeah. I'm getting way too excited about stuff. Like, what do you think about that? Have you do you have you heard anything about coffee? Like, the effects of it? Yeah, I never drank coffee. Then I started working in public accounting, and it was like, oh, yeah. to like <laughs> three or four cups a day. And you see the benefits, but sometimes it just hits you all of a sudden. They all just crash, and you're just mm-hmm. like, oh man, I have nothing left. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. ideally, you focus on healthy sleeping patterns and diets and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. that takes care of itself, but. What do you think about hydration? Like last time I was with Serhii Balachuk, uh, with the fighter, and we were doing like pre-fight interviews together and all of that, and then he did the weigh-in, yeah. and then right away we went to like a pharmacy. Actually, no, like a, a food chip, food grocery store, and he got himself a Pedialyte. Uh, and he got me a Pedialyte, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, oh, this is, this is really great for hydration. And uh, yeah, like so that's... Uh, and then I see like a lot of boxers actually doing the Pedialyte. Like Canelo does the pills. Uh, other boxers do like the actual liquid Pedialyte, um, and I started doing this as well. Like I actually, after my cheat meal day, like on Sundays or Mondays, I'm gonna go to like a pharmacy here and get myself a Pedialyte. They only sell it in pharmacies here in Canada. Costs 14 bucks per bottle. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man, it's expensive. And shit. how much is water? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I was like, but I, I don't know. For me, it's just like a little ritual now, like to, to hydrate myself. If it works, it works. I mean, if it increases your productivity and that leads to you accomplishing more, I mean, the cost isn't fourteen dollars. It's an investment, right? Yeah. And if yeah. it works, it works. I'm not one to judge, but I don't know. I, honestly, I'm just. I guess that's just my like the money that I'm willing to burn, but I'm not, I don't even know why. But just because boxers do it, I'm doing this as well. If you find it works, I mean, there's worse <laughs> things to spend your money on. It's not the worst vice by any. I stretch. was doing vitamin water, but then I was like, because when you do Pedialyte, it's just like it's not. It's just like it doesn't even like you can be, get a flavored one or an unflavored yeah. one. And unflavored one is just like a, is like a dense water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta try that. Yeah, Never try. Heard it. of it before. I gotta try that though. <laughs> yeah, it's actually produced by Abbott, like an actual like freaking biotech company. Wow. Hey, <laughs> it's just good like, enough for Canelo. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure what he actually. I know that he does the pills. Uh, I mean, I saw it on the video. He does the hydration pills, which they also sell at the yeah, yeah. Pedialyte. Has that as well. Um, but yeah, man, doing that and another thing I read from Tim Ferriss. Uh, I just read his Four Hour Week Body. Four Hour okay, Body. Okay, heard of that one. Yeah. 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 It's like drink like a glass of uh, cold water in the mornings. Yeah. I was trying that as well. 
and like all of a sudden i'm losing even more weight i'm not sure if that's because of that or not and i was eating all that pizza last week but still i lost more weight than i ever did because i don't know maybe because i was drinking cold water in the morning maybe not but uh i think it's strategic and i know a lot of people you know big asian thing is drinking hot water when you're eating to help with digestion and maybe cold water wakes you up so if it's temperature matters there you go heard it here first for sure i'm just like kind of like getting 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 into that like experimenting with yeah. the body and uh, everyone's different you got to try things see how you respond and hope for the best it's weird with this pandemic and coronavirus i'm like i'm like doing all this weird shit like i i said like okay i'm gonna like wake up super early and be productive before my work even starts so I be, i've been inspor- inspired by jocko willing like he wakes up at 4 30 i'm like okay should i wake up at 4 30 i tried it once and i was like okay it's cool like i love that the day is start but like i'm dead like by 12 o'clock you know yep. I'm like, no, I got to make it smart way. So I'm doing like, okay, one week I'm going to be at seven up. Burping all the time Those with this beers. beer. Yeah, man. So at seven o'clock, I'm up. Then next week, like 6.30. Then this week, I was doing six o'clock. Next week, I'm going to do 5.30. But uh, I'm like, okay, so then what? I like, I did the schedule. I read this interview with Mark Andreessen. I don't know if you know him, this investor, hedge fund manager in Silicon Valley. Sure. Uh, you know, the top-notch guy. And he's like, yeah, you got to do the schedule and all that. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do the schedule too. Like, okay, like 6 a.m. wake up, 6.15, like 6.30 breakfast. I'm actually having breakfast at this table, like observing the sunset from, it's like so beautiful. Like, all right, cool. After breakfast workout for 30 minutes, I'm working out all the way. Like ever since I lost my weight, like I did 50 push-ups. Now I'm doing 85 push-ups. I'm like, fuck, man. I feel like I'm superhuman. All of a sudden, I can do like I never thought I would could do like 85 push-ups at once. Like now, my goal is 100. I'm like, wow, like let's do 100 then. Yep. So doing the push-ups and all that, the workouts and uh, the different stuff, just at home. I don't even have weights. See that stone behind me? That's what I, that's what I'm lifting right there. Those. Love it. That's all you need sometimes, though, right? Yeah. I mean, so I'm like freaking like doing this. Like it's pretty cool. Like and doing a lot of like plank stands. All of a sudden, I can do three minute plank steps instead of like nice. one minute. I was like, wow. Like, awesome all right cool 30 minutes then quick shower then like after that you what i do then now and some meditating for like 30 minutes just like freaking meditating today i did 40 minutes like a record Impressive. i don't know all of a sudden like it's just i want to do like one hour like meditation thing like i got from naval nafkiran he's um he's an angel investor also in silicon valley yeah like i'm listening to all this like freaking startup dudes if it works for you it works for you right yeah and, and i don't know maybe it's like a placebo kind of thing well, if it's if it actually works, I mean, it actually works. But like it's placebo or not, for mind, like exactly. So for mind is like the meditation. Maybe I'm just like, but all of a sudden I'm like more like okay, like I'm more on a beat, more happy, because like I'm thinking. I thought for all the bullshit that I'm usually thinking during the day, during that you know forty minutes, and now I have just like this kind of relaxation. I feel like my mind is like uh, lighter. Yeah. No, I've been doing a similar thing. I usually map out my weeks, like even like two, three weeks ahead, just in the half hour blocks. So that way, you know, and I know Elon Musk does this time, uh, too, and we can transition this into Tesla maybe because we cut some of that out last good time. Good one, good one, yeah. But I do the same thing, and, like, that way you know what you're doing for every 30 minutes, and you know 100% what your focus is, and you eliminate the other distractions, and it's none of this, like, eh, what do I feel like doing? Oh, I should have done this earlier. Maybe I'll get distracted. Exactly. Now. It's like, this is what you're doing for each half hour of the day. You focus. You don't think of anything else. You, you're hungry. Don't worry about it. You got half an hour, you know, built in for eating, and I, exactly. my focus has gone way up. It's an interesting technique. You know what Jack Dorsey, the the CEO Twitter. of Twitter, yeah. he's um, he only eats in the mornings, once a day. It's interesting. Like, yeah, he's like he said like this is the super the most useless superpower I ever had. Like <laughs> just having like a breakfast. I was like fuck. I don't know if I want to do takes that. Time, so if you can get out of the way early and it works, and you save yeah, more time, yeah, yeah, good for him. 
I mean, it's crazy. Man, Everyone's like, got their thing. I mean, how can you invite him for dinner? Like, yeah, I'm just not drinking. I'm not eating. Get him a glass of water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Tesla, man, what do you think about uh, the Tesla stock right now? Like, by the way, S&P 500. Yeah. Freaking, are you at all like in stocks? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, I decent amount about that. So, I mean, it's interesting because right now Tesla's, they just breached, uh, you know, breached the requirement for being included in the S&P 500 being that their annual profits have to be. How does this happen? Pro- so, yeah, there's two requirements. So, the first one is your annual profit has to be positive. So, you have to actually make money. Mm-hmm. And the second one is your previous quarter, you also have to make money. So, obviously, mm-hmm. Tesla wasn't profitable for a long time. They finally. And then their market cap's yeah, supposed to met, be high as well? Well, they met that requirement as well and yeah they have to have a high market cap so how it would be is tesla would actually be the highest highest market cap to ever just be directly included into the s&p 500 and on a percentage basis in terms of like the percentage of the s&p 500 that they would occupy they'd be not the biggest ever added but definitely up there i think it would equate to somewhere around like one percent which is if you think about it it's a ton now i was reading some articles from some different money managers and they were talking about how typically the year after that uh, the year after uh, entities join the S&P 500, they typically do worse than they did the year before. So Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, some S&P 500 curse. growth isn't always like to get into the S&P 500, you have to be doing pretty well. And maybe growth is difficult to sustain. Yeah. Um, what do you have? Like, I'm assuming there's only 500 companies supposed to be there. Well, well who's, so yeah. who's going to get dropped out? So they have a few that are like they're they're talking about would probably get replaced by Tesla. But it's an interesting thing because if you listen to what a lot of like money managers are saying is mm-hmm. since Tesla would own would represent such a high percentage uh, of the basket, it would be difficult for people to you see a huge spike in buying because so many different fund managers are trying to replicate the S&P 500. You, they'd have to buy so much, which would, I guess, in the short term, drive up the stock price, but also be very difficult because they'd have all these other uh, stocks that they'd have to liquidate to replace with Tesla. It's kind of be an interesting Yeah, it's dynamic. a weird thing because we have all these S&P 500 ETFs right. that has all of that, you know, basically replication of uh, S&P 500. And I myself is a non-believer in Tesla stock. I don't believe it's gonna go up. Like I don't. I think it's way overpriced. It's very, it's very well concentrated on Elon Musk and his right. brand, and and just people are just like believing in that. And sure. all those amateur investors are pumping money in. It. But then, like, what if Tesla's gonna freaking crash, and it's gonna get the whole freaking index, you know, down with it? Yeah, risky. I think that's probably probably one of the reasons why they're a little reluctant to. So if you're holding ETF it. for S&P 500 and, and all of a sudden Tesla is actually going to be a part of it and then has a huge potential with this percentage of the whole S&P 500 to drag everyone down. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know give credit that. to Tesla where credit's due. I mean, they're only one of two automakers to never go bankrupt in mm-hmm. America. So, I mean, give credit where credit's due. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like Elon Musk always does questionable things just like Trump, outrageous tweets, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Flooding secured. Uh, <laughs> for twenty, you're like, all right, he's really. Good. He's Remember, he's at twenty. For twenty, that yeah. was like, whoa, for twenty, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, and, and now like, it's at sixteen hundred. Like, oh, yeah, and it's like, oh, he's really gonna get it for that one, and nothing happens, and he keeps chugging along. I no, mean, the, the stock. I remember that when he said funding secured for twenty, the stock was around three hundred, and all of a sudden, yeah. like, skyrocketed to four twenty because like the funding was secured. Like that's the tweet. Yeah. And now it's at sixteen hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's crazy to imagine that four twenty at that point was like a well, wow. That was, Two day, two years ago, a few days ago was the anniversary, the two year anniversary. So oh, that it tweet? seems like such a long time ago, but uh, I guess not. I mean, I bet those Saudi Arabia companies are like, "Fuck, we should have actually bought it out." Well, the, some of them didn't invest in in Tesla. I have some Middle Eastern companies. No, but the was, point was like, we're gonna take Tesla yeah, yeah, private. Yeah, we should have taken advantage of that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think of Elon Musk? 
I love Elon Musk. I, yeah. I feel like people, we, we need more people like Elon Musk. And when I say I don't support Tesla stock, that does not mean I don't support Tesla. Sure. I love Tesla. I want to buy Tesla when I want to get a car um, just because I like the idea of it and I want to see the whole fucking sports mode and like yeah. do the whole rocket freaking do, like the, the accel- acceleration all of that. Uh, I think people need more people like we need more people like Elon Musk. I feel like we have or in America they have 300 million or more people yeah, and I bet there's a couple more potential Elon Musk's, but they just don't have the same opportunities sure. as Elon Musk did. And I don't know what he said. It's just like you know, like serendipity puts Elon Musk in this like Silicon Valley with the people with the PayPal and all of that, the PayPal mafia. Uh, Elon Musk. I was I was working before at the foundation that has very heavily uh, been involved in science, and I was talking to like a very. Uh, established scientists at my company, my colleagues, and I was like, "What do you guys think about Elon Musk? Like, uh, isn't he like a cool scientist?" And like, "No, he he is not a scientist. He's an engineer and a yeah. business person." And so that what people like people need to understand that he is he has enough knowledge to guide you know Tesla to guide SpaceX, but that's his thing. He's not like he then he delegates everything to like the smarter people than he is. And you have to be smart to recognize that you need to do that. Right? Exactly. So he controls everything. He's he's smart enough to understand what's happening to kind of like deliver his ideas to the people who can do this. Sure. Uh, but then he kind of like just steps away. He right. steps back, and then he focuses on other projects. There's Boring Company. There's yep. Tesla, SpaceX. There's Solar City. There's like freaking the tunneling. New- Right, the boring company. Okay, and then yeah, there's yeah, yeah. And then there's the Neuralink. That's like that's his little like little project as well that he's doing. So, but again, like he's not like when people think what Elon Musk does, he's not actually like scientifically like doing something. He's coordinating. He's coordinating. Yeah, and that, I feel like that's his main thing. I mean, he's an interesting guy. Even if you don't really agree with his leading principles, I think it's kind of interesting that if you think about it, he could have taken all that money from PayPal and just bought a few mansions and just enjoyed the rest of his life in retirement. But there's something to be said for someone that says, you know what, I'm going to take all this money I have and I'm going to try and do something cool that I think is going to better better the world. And that's how, but uh, you know, that's how shifts happen in our society. And I think it's admirable pursuit that he's on. Did you hear that story? Like when in his neighborhood, he had, I think he was on Joe Rogan, and he said that it was like, yeah, I had a house, and then. Uh, some crazy people started like jumping the fence and like it was kind of creepy so he bought another house like next to his yeah. house and then another house so he bought out the whole freaking neighborhood <laughs> it's not practical but you have that I mean, money with his, with his capital what uh, to quote billions what's have what's uh what's the value of having fuck you money if you can't say fuck you sometimes and exactly that's elon musk 101 you know that reminds me of nasim taleb um i don't know if you're familiar with the yep. guy uh, i read his book skin in the game i have a weird in short, Nassim Taleb is sort of this investor who like invests in a bunch of stuff. Black Swans is what he calls it. So he yeah. basically bets on a bunch of shit that is probably not going to happen. But but if it happens, it's massive. Yep. So he invests in a bunch of that, and then, like when he happens, like I mean, he makes money on that because sometimes shit happens. Yep. And AKA Black Swan. And uh, yeah, so basically, I don't know, don't know much about him, but he's a smart guy. And it was like everyone like Naval Navkiran was like read his book, Skin in the Game. Like okay, fuck it. Like I really I listened to this book. Really sounds like an arrogant guy, like like a douche or whatever. <laughs> like even the guy who actually read the book out loud it was not him, but like the author, the, the the reader, narrator. I was like, damn, like I I, I can't get. You bring the point across, bro, but like you don't have to sound so douchey. But like he was really sounding, and then at the end, like, but I was like, at the end, I was like, okay, so basically, what he's saying, a lot of people in our society are bullshitters, bullshit outer, artists or something. I forgot how he calls them, but like. Like even scientists or whatever, 
they're just like yeah they may be smart but they're basically are bullshitters i don't know you guys read this book i'm not, I'm not sure i can explain the, the concept but i feel i feel like i understand that uh and he says that basically something like the ideal position that you want to be at where you can say fuck off to everyone basically if you don't like someone and he's bullshitting you just tell him fuck off it's not I mean, like it's a dangerous trap i mean but, you but surround no, no, yourself no. with yes men don't but don't say it like to everyone only say it when you're in this real weird position where you can recognize where he's bullshitting you and he tries to make sure that like he tries to like possess present himself as a smart guy and he's attacking you or something uh and i don't know maybe it's beer speaking or something but i was just he basically like read this book he's basically saying and i don't i don't know if i agree really sounded very douchey but there is some kind of a weird like making sense about it it's just like can you imagine like you arguing with some someone like in real life or on Twitter and he's this like person you know uh, who is of high rank and has all this credibility, PhD in Harvard and all uh, of Harvard and all of that, and all of a sudden you just tell them to like you know what fuck off. It's uh he's got a bit of an ego. He has a bit of everyone calls him a douchebag and yeah. myself included. Like I don't know like I can see why people respect him. People that I respect respect him. I personally don't know what to think about the guy. I mean, there's a difference between agreeing with someone and respecting them, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and they sort of agree with him. See, he, they recognize that he's smart and he has, like, he, he knows how to say things. For example, uh, Sam Harris hates him. And, and vice versa. Sam Harris is this famous neuroscientist and he's also like this podcaster or whatever. Same with other guys as well. But at the same time, they recognize that he's smart as fuck. So it's it's a weird kind of way of uh, I don't know treating the guy. I I forgot what we we're talking about. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective on life. I mean, if it works for him, it works. Oh, for fuck him. you, money. Right. So yeah. so yeah. So he's the kind of guy who says fuck off all the time. Uh, not all the time, but if if you're trying to argue with him and he's and he thinks well, like, he seems like the guy that would get in a lot of arguments, so I would probably think a that lot he of does people, say fuck off a lot. A lot he he does, and a lot of people hate him. Yeah. And and that's where my dilemma is because people that I respect, like the Naval, Navkirant, and, and, and the other guys, Sam Harris and all of that, they're like, even Sam Harris hates him, but they're like, yeah, but the dude is smart. And I was like, okay, I don't like the guy, but everyone kind of like acknowledges that he has something to say that is important. I'm like, I need to like separate the two. It's kind of a weird thing in our society right now. Yeah, no, I think there's value if not necessarily agreeing with him, but still surrounding yourself with some of those viewpoints. Uh Ever heard of the hedge fund manager Ray Dalio from Bridgewater? One mm. of the principles that he talks about in his book is surrounding yourself with people that you don't necessarily agree with. That way you can listen to what they say and use it to consider how you can justify your argument and make yourself sound more credible. So, I mean, you can take yeah. someone from everyone, something from everyone. Um, yeah, I, I, I read a book recently called uh, something Life in Bets or something. I don't know, but the author basically was saying the same thing like when U.S. senators or whatever or actually court judges would uh, be like a Republican leaning, but all their clerks would be Democrats so right. that they can all Challenge of that. each other. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's kind of like, it's very, I can see why this is important, but I can see why it's tempting not to do. Right. You I don't mean, want, you, you want your first time being challenged and having to defend your beliefs to happen and then, you know, in a closed door maybe and not exactly. in public. You want to have those critical exactly no i think that's that's very important and i feel like a lot of people need that and a lot of people nowadays decide to be in the 
in the more of a secluded kind of things where everyone is uh, is uh, is thinking the same way and uh, maybe some points being missed out that sure. you don't see and people around you don't say, don't tell you as way right as well. I mean, speaking of the black swans, I think we got into an interesting dialogue last time uh, before the issues about. Uh, no, I'm all right. Thanks. Uh, about uh, the restaurant industry in Corona. So, I guess what's your outlook on that? Okay, so I'm walking around the streets. Yesterday, I walked around the streets, and everything looks good. I mean, we we talked about it last time, but basically on Queen Street, I see a lot of uh, patios being built up in Toronto, and and they're all freaking filled out. And I am actually a bit disappointed in people. They don't look like they're distancing. I mean, well, not only that, but also all of a sudden, everyone has money to spend. Yeah. They've been saving it and <laughs> exactly. not so, partying at clubs. Exactly. But they're like, they're all there. They're all freaking eating and all of that. It's just like they're they're really eager to socialize. They kind of like opened up a little bit in me. Like, okay, like people are really, really need they, they really need to actually go out and see each other. I'm more of a, like a secluded guy. I'm fine with like maybe inviting some people over, maybe going somewhere once in a while. But overall, like I'm fine without like going out too much. But some people really need that. And there's a lot of people like that. It's interesting. I think some people need that as like a justification. Which is very great. To their existence, which is concerning. I mean, I love having friends and going to hang out, but there's right. something to be said, which is staying home and betting yourself. You gotta, you gotta make and, those Instagram photos and post them, man, to make sure that you have friends. Yeah, people have to know that you're having an exactly. exciting life, right? <laughs> Speaking of Instagram, what do you think? Have you been following that whole TikTok thing going on with Oh man, Microsoft and trust Trump. me, I'm, I'm I'm very I have interest in Tencent, full disclosure. And uh, yeah, I'm not doing well right now because my stock just freaking dropped seven percent. It's absurd. I mean, Trump <laughs> is making them sell it and then saying, "And I want a commission." Like I don't think. You know, it's weird because yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Someone told Pavel Durov is like the Russian guy who invested, who created the Russian social network, and he's the. Do you know Telegram? Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, so he he owns that as well. He um, basically like a Mark Zuckerberg of Russia. He was yep. like, yeah, that's like a Chinese practice to like close down the whole like internet company and all of that. Yep. But at the same time, I'm thinking like, yeah, but it's, like, but it's also not the first time. It's just the f- it's the first time that it's an internet company uh, within TikTok. But like, if you talk, look about other companies, like Russia, for example, is being under so much sanctions right now. And all the companies cannot do business in Europe and America with the Russian companies. And that's exactly the same thing. So only thing that changed is the fact that it's an internet company. The precedent itself, itself is already, it's, it's really old like the world. I personally, um, I've been hearing a lot about TikTok being a Chinese company and like they, they creating like they're um, collecting all this data on the US citizens. And I believe that it's true. I mean, American companies are doing that anyway. I mean, yeah, but I believe that it's true, and uh, I also believe that it's very hard to explain exactly what exactly they are collecting and how exactly they can use it, especially to the U.S. Senate, uh, because the U- U.S. senators are just not—I don't think they're able to understand completely how this whole the whole thing works. So I feel like it's easier for them to just block the whole thing. Oh, for sure, completely. I personally like if if someone would ask me like, hey Samir, do you think we should like we should like close TikTok or whatever and uh, and do something or like what do we do like do we like prohibit that or not? I wouldn't find what to say because I also don't know. But do the mass populace of people using it actually care? 
like do people care about their personal data or they do they care about being able to put god good content out get people to watch it justify themselves more and make their money or do they care about privacy i mean i think we've kind of as a society decided which one we care about more. i think it's more about like no one cares about the kids using tiktok but like let's say a boy told his father like yo like i'm i'm on this tiktok and i'm like this influencer check it out and the dad is like oh, cool i'm gonna download it mm-hmm. and he downloads tiktok and and the dad is actually a chairman of the s&p 500 company and you know and and through that he has like texts and emails and all of that and who knows sure. what so i think that's the kind of issue is like the the people who who matter basically like using tiktok and through through whatever data manipulation through whatever like uh, permissions that they give to the app. Yeah. Uh, that's where the, the corporation can collect this. And you you gotta understand, I guess, and then I have no idea how TikTok works in terms of the, in terms of the corporate structure. But if it's a Chinese company, you're one hundred percent sure that you know part of that is a government's property. Oh, it's like Huawei, exactly. So I think that that's the point yeah. where the data is being used for political reasons, for oh. geopo- geopolitical reasons. Oh, for sure. I mean, you look at Huawei, and when they first started. Um, what the government was doing was they were giving favorable loans to people that were going to buy, you know, Huawei mm-hmm. products uh, at a corporate level from their, uh, you know, their state development fund. And what's their vested interest in going Huawei so they can collect more taxes? Probably not. There's probably mm-hmm. a little bit more to then, hey, let's collect some taxes and grow our economy. I mean, you yeah, got to read between the lines a little bit. It's pretty obvious. And- you know, Huawei is um, quite a company because on one hand, yeah. Uh, Chinese company belongs to China government and all of that. On the other hand, I bought my phone. I, I had my old iPhone crashed in in Kazakhstan, so I got my phone for like fifty bucks, Huawei phone. Just a smartphone, touchscreen camera, five uh, whatever HD camera, four K. Yeah. For fifty bucks, right now iPhones are costing uh, like that phone. or whatever, they're like fifteen hundred uh fifteen hundred dollars, two thousand three thousand dollars. You can get yeah, it's lower quality product, but functionality is the same for fifty bucks. Like you can see why. Buy a new one every few months, and you're still ahead on uh, your net <laughs> expenditures, right? I mean, it's true. You can see why some companies are, are a little bit. That's their strategy, quality. though. Yeah. You penetrate the market with low prices. You know, build up your brand loyalty. Then, as you slowly start charging more, people are going to say, "Well, I like this product. Or, mm-hmm. I already had one of these. It's just easier to get another one." And yeah, man. It's like I was saying, like, you know, the Chinese government was giving cheap loans to people that were going to buy mm-hmm. Huawei uh, equipment at a corporate level. And you get them in for low prices and yeah. eventually just build the business. And Yeah, man, it's um, it's a crazy business. I don't know. How, what, like, I, I'm hearing a lot of stories that um, I'm, I'm reading a lot of stories that China is becoming the geopolitical uh, enemy, basically, is in, like a Cold War with China is about to start because, you know, the trade negotiations went to nowhere. Now there's the whole, like, TikTok debacle. Well, yeah, there's nothing new there. I mean, it's China's difficult. I mean, you have a lot of people saying, okay, China caused the whole coronavirus thing. It's a whole government conspiracy type thing. It may or may not be. I mean, I don't think we have the adequate information at this time to make a judgment about that. But let's say they did. What are we going to do about that? We're going to say, okay, we're going to stop ordering goods from you guys. Okay, so we're not going to order T-shirts from China. We're not going to order electronics. Mm-hmm. That means all our consumer staples um, are going to go way up. Right. People are going to get upset because a T-shirt costs, you know, way more than it used to. And the first guy that runs on a platform of, yeah, you know, I'm going to allow imports from China again. He's going to win. That whole thing is going to go away. Like China controls our economy. They can stop saying, they can say, okay, we're not going to export anymore to you. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge dent in, in, in their GDP. But as soon as we stop taking imports from China, consumer staples, everyone needs them. They all go way up. 
We need but, them more than they need us. Like you can't have an effective negotiation or or sanctions when that's the dynamic. And I think that's the fundamental problem. Like I don't think like it's a I don't it's think it's late. a good thing. It's but, too late. But that's the thing. Is it too late though? Because um, well, people need to have the onus to start buying Canadian products. But I mean, you mm-hmm. see no one buying blackberries. People want what's cheapest. So I mean, mm-hmm. as a society, we collectively need to say, look. It's like this news that you know recently factories of iPhones move, were moved from China to India, so yeah. there's like at least some diversification to like Indian market in terms of product production and manufacturing. But at the same time, like you can see why people were like moving to China. Like, yeah, it definitely makes a lot of bucks for for everyone, like in 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 the top companies and all of that. But at the same time, like politically, like wow, like since coronavirus started and hit. And then the the generic drugs are all manufactured in China, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" Like, uh, we are completely dependent on that. So th- this is where everyone kind of woke up, and I can totally see the point where, okay, maybe the dependence on China, as painful as it could be to kind of move away from it, it's something that should be done just for strictly uh, global geopolitical reasons. Well, I think long-term it could bring a little... I think it could stabilize the Canadian economy a little bit because, I mean, look, uh, we're going to stop buying so much things from China. Okay, what do we need then? We need to have a lot more jobs in Canada. Um, you know, less people on mm-hmm. unemployment insurance, maybe less of our taxes go towards that sort of mm-hmm. stuff, more people paying taxes, you know, l- maybe costs can go down. Uh, you know, long-term, maybe it will, you know, kind of stabilize. I think it's frustrating. I think we need a little bit better of an example from our government. It's kind of frustrating as a Canadian to say, you know what, I'm going to be that virtuous person and I'm going to buy a BlackBerry instead of a Huawei phone. Meanwhile, the government's like doing all sorts of arms deals with Saudi Arabia, who's not a remotely ethical country. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, we need someone... Uh, government has to step up and say you know what whether or not you guys want to do this we're, uh, we're yeah. going to send a message as a, as a nation see like i'm not quite sure like because i spend so much time in the united states and very little time in canada where canada stands right now with china i know we have all this weird thing with the uh well with the united states and china but like in terms of justin trudeau like his rhetorics in in, in china like well china's not a huge fan of canada because we have Huawei cfo under house arrest. Oh, that's true. We talked and about. And they took yeah. the two Canadian tourists and threw them in uh, much worse conditions than house arrest. I mean, I don't think China's in a Vancouver. huge fan of Canada right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so there is some tensions as well with Definitely Canada and some China. Tensions, yeah. Listen, going back to Canada, um, to Toronto, like locally, where do you think is going to hit next? Recently, I just a couple of days ago, I read the report for real estate, and to my surprise, we hit the freaking record in terms of home sales and condo sales in ontario in toronto area right it's like up to 13 or actually 16 percent i think or more there's like an official report on that and i was like okay so what's the reason for that and everyone's like well it's because well the the articles that i read it because everyone's kind of was they they were all at home everyone had like too much time on their hands and they were like trying to like make sure to put their money somewhere that is actually tangible in terms of like instead of a stock market to go into the housing and invest there and just like buy condos as soon as possible at the same time i'm calling my friend it's like asking like telling him hey you guys come over with like my friend and his wife like yo like let's chill he's a real estate and uh, agent sure uh and also he says like well yeah cool uh i'm like what are you up to he's like well you know the, the market is actually the pre-construction is really not good like he's giving me this information that in Toronto right now the pre-construction market is really down, like to the point where my guy is uh, going to drive Uber to get extra money. 
So I don't understand. This is weird. Like the report for the month of July is record high. But at the same time, like for the pre-construction, no one's buying it. What do you think, man? I think it's interesting. I think it's hard to make a judgment this early, but I think it's going to, I think a lot of the businesses are going to set a, set the stage for what happens next. I mean, I think if a lot of these businesses stay open downtown and say, you know, we're sticking to our guns, we all want to be right on front street, right on Bay street, then maybe it'll stabilize a little bit and people will still want those downtown condos. But if not, Mm -hmm. interesting, I think. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's people may say, Hey, look, there's no point in living in Toronto. Let's go live in London. Let's go live in Windsor. Mm -hmm. Telecommute to work every day. I mean, it depends. I think what happens in terms of a lot of the big employers, what they decide to do. I'm really starting to look at the Hamilton area and the area like a little bit outside of, uh, because we talked about it last time. I feel like living in downtown right now, it's a little bit overpriced, especially if you're living in, if you're working from home. Oh, sure. You look at what you get. Yeah. Versus what you could get for some, like how much the average home price in London is like seven hundred thousand dollars, and what's mm-hmm. seven hundred thousand dollars going to get you downtown Toronto? Not really much, and mm-hmm. especially in the a Corona small, in the Corona condo, pandemic, yeah. when I was at home visiting my family, I was like, I'm so glad we have uh, a backyard, and then all these people downtown in condos, yeah, can't even go outside, and they've got this little square that they can step out on. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Man, you that's know, crazy. Look, a little more critically in terms of what they get for their money but are you are you at all in the market right now what do you think personally like do you want to at some point invest in some sort of a property in uh in canada in ontario right now i want to wait and see in terms of my career i'm still kind of at a growth stage Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't know where i'm going to be working in five six seven years i don't know what Mm -hmm. field accounting or finance to some degree but where for who Mm -hmm. it depends i stabilize my life a little bit and i think i want to see the housing market stabilize a little bit too and i mean Look at how much has changed in like less than a year. But you look at how long a mortgage is, it's like 20. <laughs> yeah. Before you get into that five, six years before you can renew your mortgage, you want to see, okay, is the economy actually at somewhere where I can make a reliable estimate of where it's going to be in the future. You know, that's what, I've, what I'm thinking as well right now. Like I really wanted to buy something, but I want to buy it smartly where I don't even have to live there, but at least rent it out to make sure that we have some cash flow at least. Um, so I'm observing, I'm looking, and I'm, I'm definitely not as bullish on downtown sure i don't know i don't even i think, I think land's always going to have an inherent value I and mean, there's always going to be exactly. a large population density down here so it's always going to have value but is it going to have that massive value 700 800 for a condo that's average that we've been seeing who knows the report also said that the rent prices are going down exactly so, so, so that's another thing for it, two reasons first Immigration, yep. the students Down. and uh, the temporary people who live here in Canada but will move away. And so, therefore, they have to rent. They're not here because they're not immigrating here because we have a border close. That's the first reason. And the second reason, we still have a bunch of projects here. Go ahead and open it. It's fine. Uh, let's hear that. Yeah. Good now. Oh, there you go. That was, that was a clean one. The second reason, if we have all this freaking development all over the place, downtown, there's like one construction right there bunch of constructions right there you can see the cranes there the supply of condominiums is still super high with yep. no like so that's well, why it was all based on what it was three exactly. four years ago and they have to finish it seismic shifts can happen quick sometimes exactly so i feel like in the at least in the shorter term maybe in the next year the rents definitely not going to go up and definitely going to go down at some point as well and that's the that's the eternal question too. I mean, is it? I mean, everyone thinks owning a condo is sexy and having someone or like, yeah, I own this place. But at some point, yeah. you have to do your 
present value analysis and saying like, look, if I if I buy this house, I'm going to put 20, 30% down. Mm-hmm. That's cash I can't have. That's cash I can't invest. How much more am I really paying to rent? And over the long term, would I be better to invest that money uh, that I would otherwise use in a down payment? And there's also the peace of mind. Like you're not having to worry about maintenance to such an extent or you know exactly. if you don't like it you can move somewhere else you don't the have flexibility to worry about property taxes this is how much you owe this is how much you owe property taxes and the freaking condo fees 500 yep. bucks per month right now like i was researching that like here in downtown you don't just get a mortgage and every month you're paying back your principal and your yeah, interest yeah, like yeah. oh no you got you property taxes of other stuff on top of that yeah all this other stuff i mean it's pretty much like you're getting a mortgage and also renting on the side <laughs> Exactly. It's ridiculous. Um, so that's that's where I'm like, okay, maybe I need to reconsider. Either it's too early for me or I need to strategize and see, how about Hamilton? How about Mississauga? How about, you know, other towns, London or Guelph or whatever, you know? This, these are all the cities that I know by heart. That's sure. That's the limit of. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. You hit all the big ones. I mean, yeah. places like Peterborough, you don't need to worry about name, name dropping those. Um, but it depends on what your personal comfort level is too. Like one of one of my friends, he owns his house and uh-huh. he's a single guy, mm-hmm. um, and rents out you know basement yeah. and one other room and hats half his mortgage right there. So I mean, hey, he's got an asset, but he's also making some income. And that's how he plays for his down payment. I mean, strategies. You know what I was thinking too is like. I wonder how we're going to go further. What if like shit is really going to hit the fan and we will go wave two, some spark of like outbreak and everyone's going, okay, you know what? Cities are definitely not an option. And like, I'm thinking like, okay, what about Alberta? Everyone's kind of like area there. I mean, my family is in London. They're kind of more on the outskirts. Like they kind of live between the outskirts of London and more so uh, like between the city and the country. And Mm -hmm. there's not too many run out there because your neighbors aren't exactly next door they're a few hundred but then if you think about it again i i don't know what's happening there right now in terms of prices but you can say okay how about this i have this seven hundred thousand that i was going to invest in some sort of a condo or house in like hamilton sure but with all this stuff that's happening right now there's a crop of like a piece of land for three hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars or whatever in in alberta maybe even cheaper depends on where Maybe I should just go get it there, make sure there's an internet and electricity and, 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 and water and just sit there and, you know, close to some town. I honestly have no idea how Alberta looks like or whatever, but I'm a just... A lot of uh, fields. Yeah, well, just like somewhere next to a small town in the field, I just need the internet and all of that. And just like, isn't that attractive? And then I can just like, chill there and work from, from, from there. And it is. If you can telecommute, I mean like... You if you can at, telecommute, I mean, you, and you a lot of companies do it. Toronto, I mean, how much are you paying for your land? A lot. Mm-hmm. How much are you really spending on the house? Right? So if you have a million dollars that you can spend on a house in Toronto, I mean, most of that's going to a land. Your house isn't really going to be that nice. Now, let's say you give it the same million dollars and say, hey, go live out in Lethbridge, Alberta. Mm-hmm. You can get a big plot of land for not that much money. So the actual house you can have yourself is way bigger. So I mean, yeah. again, it all depends on telecommuting and the nature of your job. But it's not if unreal. You can do that, you're going to get a pretty nice mansion. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of workplaces that are actually doing this. Like, they're, they're basically telling their employees right now here in Canada, they basically say, hey, you know what? Things are not going getting, getting any better. We can't do this on the open space in terms of the startups and all that, how the offices are laid out. We're going to go 100% remote because we tested it out for three months and it works. So, you know what? We decided to do this whole thing forever. Yeah. 
And if you're not Facebook paying, like, did that. sky high rent on Bay Street, how many more employees can you hire with that money that can go and expand your business? Exactly, because it would be a good thing for the. I mean, granted, all the real estate firms are not going to be loving that, but mm-hmm. you know, depending on the nature of your business, it could be a good thing. There's a lot of cost saving there for the companies. Let's say you you can get uh, employees. Let's say even we're gonna go local in Alberta. That will uh, the average salaries there is less than in Ontario, and you can remotely hire them. You can reduce your costs by not renting out your office. Maybe you have you have like a little office space, satellite but, office, yep. And that's a lot of money saving right there per year. So boom, 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 better workforce, less rent, less utility costs, less insurance costs, all of that. I mean, there's as a lot of benefits. As long as we're still injecting that money in the economy in this, in, in, to some capacity. I mean, if you're just saving and saying our bank account's going to grow, is it the best thing for the economy? No, but if you're using it to hire I'm sure that are the tax is going to get... Well, if they're still paying payroll taxes and using the money to do other things, you know, invest in R&D, it's still a net I'm expecting, for the economy. Yeah, I'm definitely expecting taxes to go up because of all they are... How do you call them? Our ERCRB? Uh, curb, serb. Serb, C-E-R-B. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Everyone's like, wow, I get $1,000 a month to stay at home and do nothing. I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand how much your taxes are going to go up. Like, I read something saying that mm-hmm. every week from not having the TTC, all this other stuff, Toronto is losing like $60 million a, uh, a week. And I'm like, where do you think that money is going to go? They're like, oh, we didn't get that money. No big deal. Mm-hmm. No. So either one of two things is going to happen. Or either going to get taxed. No one's going to be happy. Or we're going to have a politician that's going to say, okay, we're not going to raise money. taxes and we're going to have a fiscal cliff. And we're either way, good luck with the economy. Uh, have you ever tried bow hunting? I've shot a lot of bulls. I've never hunted with a bow. It's harder than it looks. Have you ever hunted at all? Uh, birds, like not okay. uh, not with a bow. You, you just shotgun for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just like this Joe Rogan influence. He's cool about like bow hunting stuff. Yeah, he loves his Hoyt archery. And he- <laughs> I, I did. I did bow. Like I shot some bows. Like, it was pretty cool. Like I, I had like this professional bow from my friend. He like, hey, yep. you want to try it? I was just like, well, the whole thing looks amazing. Uh, but yeah, man, it's pretty. But yeah, as I was saying, basically, is um, I already forgot. I was I was saying something that I'm on the center and and uh, oh, the Canadian politics. It's it's something that. That is really not discussed too much on Twitter, for example. We're all too polite. Everyone is polite. (laughs) Actually, I'm not buying into this whole thing. When I first moved to Toronto and I'm on this elevator and no one even looks at me, even before Corona, to say hi. And I'm Maybe from, they were from Quebec. And I'm, I'm from, just kidding. No, and I'm from California, <laughs> and I was like, you "Let's because we thought you were American." That's right. <laughs> we're polite to most people. Uh, are you guys really hating Americans? How does this work? What's what's the uh, general idea? Uh, it's probably just because we don't like each other when it comes to hockey. Uh, well, pretty okay with most American. <laughs> as people. soon as I came to Canada, I went to a hockey game. I feel like within three days, I went to see Tampa Bay versus Maple Leafs. And okay, we, and that's we good lost. rivalry. Unfortunately, we lost. Yeah. Uh, by the way, have you seen the game yesterday? Uh, they did the exact opposite of what happened to them the previous. I day. haven't seen it, but like. Twitter was going nuts. And yeah, Instagram so like was two days nuts. ago, the Leafs blew a huge lead. And uh-huh. yesterday, Columbus blew a huge lead. So the old uh, Uno reverse card was pulled. Yeah, like, I don't know. I really want to get into freaking sports, but I can't. I don't know. Like, boxing is the only thing that makes it for me. Maybe UFC, but, like, in terms of, like, watching the games, like... No, I get it. Because, like, boxing or you or MMA, it's like, this is not rules. It's like, look at hockey. When they don't get along, they don't say, I can shoot a puck better into the net than you can. No, they say, okay, let's drop the gloves and let's figure that out. UFC, <laughs> MMA, they skip all those silly rules in between yeah, yeah, and they yeah. get right to what matters. Plus, it's a longer kind of thing. You're not just watching one game. You're like, you need to follow like for the whole year. 
I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. But like with the fight, with the boxing fight, it it happens, and 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 shit's gonna go down. And there's only like two outcomes, maybe three outcomes. Oh sure. I mean, as humans, we all have that inherent relation to fighting. Like we've all, hopefully, maybe not everyone, have all been in some fight to some degree. And there's no complicated rules to understand. Like hockey, it's like, oh, that was a that was offside. Oh, what are you doing with the dropping the puck? What? Boxing, it's like, yeah, it looks like he's getting himself beaten up pretty good. You just turn it on, you know what's going on. You know, it's funny. I was watching this thing on Netflix called um, The Last Enforcer or something like about the Enforcers. Yeah, the I, Quebec League. Well, the thing is, because I, I was in Kazakhstan in the, like last year uh, from America. I went to Kazakhstan and in Kazakhstan, I applied to Canada. And I was like, okay, going to Canada, got to learn about hockey. I'm going to be all like this Canadian guy. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, opened up Netflix, watch a documentary on hockey, and like they talked about enforce enforcers, and I was like, whoa, like this is the whole freaking positioning, which by the way doesn't really exist right now. But there was like this yeah, big guys, changed, yeah. yeah, to actually like make sure that they intimidate everyone else to behave. Oh yeah, each team has its own little mafia. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, go to Ottawa if you've never been to Ottawa. That's the, maybe one of the most Canadian cities. People literally skate to work. <laughs> like oh i gotta go to work instead of hopping in the car you pull in the skates and skate down the river to work oh, people actually do that man. it's amazing it's like see that's the thing about like i came to canada i'm a weird i'm, I'm a weird kind of guy like i come to canada like my my sole goal was is still is is to make sure that i'm successful here like i need to work so i'm working sure. working working and i really i love um having fun I'm, i love traveling and all of that but i also love to make sure that i i'm doing something productive so because of that I'm not into this happy-go-lucky. I'm gonna go across Canada and go to Alberta and Ottawa and whatever else. Like, but I really need to. Like, part of me really wants to go travel. Part of me, like, okay, I need to go to like do my own shit. So I need to really dedicate some time to go to all the parts of Canada too. And because oh, at the end of the day, I'm going to be a citizen of this country. This and I actually love this country. This, this is a great country, and yeah. I, like I really want to like. I think it's the beer speaking. I'm like getting all emotional right now. But like, this is a great country and I really want to get to know it better. Yeah. Um, well, obviously they don't have it now because of the whole Corona. But I know, you know, via rail, they usually have like a summer deal where you can pay a certain amount and it'll take you from one end of the country on the other on a train. And, you know, trains are fast enough that you're but not still you can. spending weeks, but it's fa- like slow enough you can look out the window and see yeah. our, our scenery and you see mountains and you see fields. And yeah. Yeah. It'll be I interesting. Check it out. I want to do you that. Sleep on the train and everything. Yeah, because it's funny. I've been in the United States for 10 years. I've been to New York, California, Portland, Las Vegas, and that's pretty much it. And I never actually got to see the interstate, you know, the actually like flyover, the flyover states, states yeah. the rust belt. And I, it's my regret. Like, I should have done it. I still want to do it. I want to do like the whole freaking do the Canada thing and then freaking go down to the United States and do that and just see the world because... You know, I feel like I'm in the position where I can finally like dedicate some time, and I can afford it to do to do. Sure, something and like I that. think USA too, to a certain extent. But I think Canada, every province has its own unique vibe. Like, no two provinces are the same. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you go to different provinces, it's gonna be completely different. Than, mm-hmm. like, even Ontario and Quebec, right beside each other, completely different. Quebec and you know New Brunswick, or yeah. uh, Ontario and Manitoba, completely different. Like, I only know Quebec for its like separatist kind of uh, attitude yeah they're not as not as intense and bad as they used to be but it's like the texas of, of canada kind of thing no maybe a little more intense they've had a few votes <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 it's well it's a completely different culture there right it's a little more french you're more european which is a breath of fresh air at times and, and which is fascinating because again 
nothing like that in the United States. No, it's all. Well, it's the cultural melting pot versus the cultural mosaic, and we're a mosaic, and U.S. is a melting melting pot, and right. Everyone's different, but yeah, and I don't know. I mean, maybe in Europe there, there is countries like this. I'm in Switzerland, Belgium. <laughs> I'm not sure what else. You got, for example, in Switzerland, Italian-speaking countries, uh, French-speaking uh, counties, like uh, whatever. Here in Canada, we have an entire freaking province that is French-speaking. I mean, it's... I don't know. For me, it's And it's like sandwiched in between, like, Newfoundland, who speaks English. Yeah, yeah, And then you've got Quebec. Then you've got Ontario, who speaks English. But at the same time... It's not, like, way off to the side. It's the middle of the country. But it's not like they're speaking French, and it's kind of like, oh, accidentally, like, we all speak English. No, they're freaking fighting for for their right to speak French. They're imposing all those policies for immigrants. Like, if you speak French, yo, like getting here for free or something like that oh sure know? i think even uh like the they have like literally oh for sure even uh, the olympic hockey team either as a written rule or as an unwritten rule they have to have a certain number of french speakers on it wow something like that like a certain number of french canadians either written or unwritten unofficially unofficially they have to have a certain number that's like yeah they're preserving and you can't blame them i mean it's nice to see honestly to some extent yeah. the culture preserved after i visited quebec in december i started learning french every day since then yeah um we have to learn it in school. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Like Americans, like we had to learn Kazakh and Russian and English in, in Kazakhstan. Wow. Uh, but yeah, like, it's just like, wow. Like, I don't know. I got really inspired, like speaking French. It's interesting. <sighs> Sean, we've been talking for more than an hour. If there's any speaking. listeners left, we appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> someone's, gone. someone is still there. But yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, it's been a great podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you coming back and uh, you know uh, fixing the whole thing because we had some problems last time. But this, you know, you still you know got some time for me, so I really appreciate that. Thanks very much for coming. Glad to be back on the terrace. I think we had a good time. Likewise, and uh, we have uh, great experiments with the with the background. I'm looking forward to uh, to make sure to edit everything and uh, see how it works out. But thank you so much. I shake your, I shake, I shake your hand. I would shake your hand, but we are in the pandemic right now. Anyways, everyone, be safe. This was a easy podcast. Goodbye, everybody.